show about how Amy Adams Strunk seemingly continues to back her way into good results, but the process, man. It's, it is not great. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Friday, January the 12th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, Director of Published Content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I'm joined, as always, here live at Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House in Spring Hill by producer JT. JT, how are we doing today? I'm good. You know, when, when we were last here, I didn't think we would be at this point, but here we are. Um, I thought we would beyond to just like talking about the playoff games that are going on this weekend <laughs> surprisingly that seems that that has gone to like i the, was afraid the, we wouldn't have a whole lot to talk yeah about. right but yeah. apparently now uh the titans are just the gift that keeps on giving and that is dysfunctional uh teamwork and cooperation which means we get to talk about them a lot more a mystery so, vision yes. yeah yep uh, uncertainty who's actually in charge of what yeah no it's great things are great uh, we're going to talk all about the Titans, the aftermath, the the 48 hours, basically, since the news that we got on Tuesday from the Rand Carthon press conference to Amy Adams Trunk's decision to fire Mike Vrabel. We uh, are going to dive into the, the big topic of today, a fantastic article by my buddy uh, Joe Rexrode, great columnist here in town um, with The Athletic. He and Diana Russini wrote an article that was rather illuminating today on the relationship between ran Carthun, but primarily Amy Adams Trunk and uh, Mike Vrabel about all three of those folks. But really the, 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 the primary deterioration here coming not from ran Carthun and Mike Vrabel's relationship, but, but Amy Adams Trunk and Mike Vrabel's relationship, kind of a downhill spiral. Um, some things that I think were absolutely avoidable and a couple things that I think weren't, we're going to dive into all of that. And uh, I definitely recommend we're going to talk a lot about what was in the article today, but not all of it. We're not going to be reading it word for word or anything. So Go get a subscription to The Athletic and read Joe's work. It's really fantastic. You won't read a better article on this subject, I think, than what they wrote. Um, and it's it's really well sourced. And it's a lot of information that we really didn't know mm-hmm. until this morning. And so it was illuminating. And it changes my perspective a little bit, a little bit, on what went down and whether or not it should have went down and the way that it went down. We're going to discuss all of that today, as well as looking at what I think is a pretty final, if not final, picture of the teams in the NFL that need a new head coach, eight teams, one fourth. We know this, that every year between a third and a fourth of the NFL um, coaching wise gets turned over. And every year you think, well, there's not going to be six, seven, eight coaching every year. Every year you get to the end of the season. It feels a little bit more six, seven, eight coaches. This uh, year's on the higher end. It's on the higher end. And it feels a little bit more unprecedented because you have such big names being relieved. Yes. yes. So I think no one shot Frank Reich's on that list um, or or Josh McDaniels on that list. But Mike Vrabel, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll. What are we doing out here? It's just like it adds to everything. It just makes everything more interesting to talk about. So it is a very interesting time to both be an NFL fan and also a Tennessee Titans fan. So we're going to dive into that and talk about the attractiveness of each location. I think we're going to play a little bit of game today, JT, and I've not even told you this, but you're in for it. Uh, I'm going to try to sell you on all of these locations, and we're just going to talk about how you, you see rankings out there, about the definitive rankings of the attractiveness of each head coaching position. The beauty is really in the eye of the beholder, and we're going to discuss that and how what you primarily want really dictates where you're going to go. I'm going to try to sell you on all... 
there's a couple spots that are a tough sell. Not going to lie. There's a couple tough sells in there, but I think most of them can be sold. And so we're going to dive into that as well as a, pre a preliminary look at all of the guys the Titans have requested to interview as potential head coaching candidates. So a lot to get into today, as well as, of course, it's a Thursday. So the best bet gauntlet is on the slate. At the end of the day, we will be talking about some playoff bets. It's a very different game when we get to the playoffs. Last year, we did very well in the playoffs. So we've got a, a tough act to follow. A couple of favors. First of all, if you're watching on Twitter or on Facebook, go on over to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. Find this live stream there. And in the comment section of that live stream, that's where you're going to be able to talk to us in the live chat as Paul and Josh. And Zach already are looking forward to uh, hearing from you guys throughout today's episode and any questions you might have about what has happened this week with the Tennessee Titans, we would love to try to answer on today's show. So send them in there and we will stop what we're doing and, and discuss what you'd like to discuss today. While you're at the YouTube live stream, do us a favor, hit that subscribe button. It is free to you. It's very helpful to us. We're trying to get that subscriber count up as much as possible this draft season. And uh, it's going to help you get access to our content going forward. No one we're live, no one we're not. All of those good things. Hit subscribe for us. It's a big help. Thank you very much. And with that, oh, we're brought to you, of course, by the place that we currently are sitting, Boombox Craft Pizza and Tap House. Going to tell you all about them a little bit later in today's episode. But let's go ahead and dive in, JT. Uh, it, it is. It, I've already got a couple comments here that I want to look at from Paul, Amy Adam Strunk, presenting. Uh, Amy Adam Strunk, present, got her feelings hurt and engineered a canned interview and threw her new GM in front of the Wolves without the ability to answer any questions. Disappointed. Disappointed, I think, is absolutely fair. Our buddy Zach Lyons here from the 440 Podcast Network says, if that, if this mayo is a lock for Pat's job rumor is true, I think the well dries up for Vrabel. I wonder if he, quote-unquote, chooses to take a break for a year after being a zombie for two years. I, I wasn't, maybe this is new news, Zach. I'm not, I wouldn't know. I've not heard about this Mayo being a lock rumor. Did I miss there, this? He is the current favorite to be the, okay, the New today, England Patriots uh, new head coach. It's not exactly a, a lock, but he has been deemed the front runner of, of anybody, which is very an interesting development considering everything we've been talking about sure. for the past, uh, it seems like three months at this point. Well, but, imagine the very, con seem, seemingly very concrete rumor of, Man, Mike Vrabel would be not a, but the home run hire as a replacement for Bill Belichick, according to the owner of the Patriots. And then he goes, Gerard Mayo, you're the next guy. That's that's going to invite some questions. So very interesting. Absolutely. Uh, Zach saying that Ian Rappaport, I'm assuming, has new info on his timeline and Diana Rossini seemed to back it up. So very interesting indeed. Um, we can't really talk to it today, but maybe we'll discuss that when we get to the job openings here. I guess we can't discuss that today, so we'll, we'll get to all of that. Um, we are now a full six, seven minutes in today's show. We've not even talked about the nitty gritty that we want to dive into, so let's do it. Joe Rex wrote in Diana Rossini's article that came out today. Um, the, the, the main theme here, the thing that, that is the big takeaway is it's like at the end of an episode of Scooby-Doo where they unmask the villain and it's like, Mr. Cropper, and it's like the mayor of the town, like all these months we've been talking about how this relationship seemingly on the rocks between Rand Carthon and Mike Vrabel was the potential rift that might cause a shakeup when we get to the offseason. Lo and behold, things happen. Rand Carthon comes out and says, our relationship was great. I've got no problems with Mike. I consider him a friend. I thought we worked well together the whole time. I've got no issues with them at all. I think the reports are, I don't know where they're coming from. And then this article comes out and it's really obvious that it was Mike Vrabel and Amy Adams Strunk's relationship that became very rocky. And in the end, according to Amy, untenable to move forward with. Um, 
like I said, I think a lot of this is avoidable and we're going to kind of go bit by bit here and discuss our, our thoughts on, on what happened. But some of it, I think simply wasn't. And it's those things that weren't avoidable or maybe, maybe non-negotiable going forward. You, you didn't see the two sides coming to a consensus that makes you feel a little bit better about what transpired and them moving on. There are some things in here that I think are worth being encouraged about. So Let's start at the top. And again, go check the article out in full. We're not going to discuss all of it today, but we're going to talk about the highlights. Um, a culmination of events led to his firing, according to Rossini and Rex Road, including Vrabel suggesting during the offseason hiring of general manager Rand Carthon, um, saying that he wasn't ready for the job. Vrabel did not think that he was ready to be a big boy full-time GM. And uh, that rubbed Amy Adams shrunk the wrong way. She disagreed with that. She eventually came to believe her faith in Vrabel was not being reciprocated, that Vrabel didn't have a whole lot of faith in her. And she was unhappy with, and this one was the most predictable, right? Unhappy with the trip to New England. That's kind of the overview of what went wrong here. And this is all according to um, apparently a dozen prominent people inside and outside the organization um, that, that spoke under the condition of anonymity to the athletic. So this first thing, um, we go back to the beginning of last season. And this is not shocking based on what they did and the things that they talked about. Um, the Titans reportedly wanted to make this past season about evolving and modernizing their process behind the scenes. Building a roster with increased reliance on analytics was a big part of that. Vrabel wasn't resistant to using those analytics on the field, which is not, I mean, Vrabel has always in his tenure been the guy you think, okay, he's a good situational ball coach. He's on the conservative side at times, but but he's not, He's not super stuck in his ways, and he, he's pretty slick with the rules, pretty slick with time management. Th that's not really the issue, right? It's the analytics behind the scenes. It's the analytics in the scouting department. It's the analytics during the week looking at the game plan and trying to base what you want to do to an opponent um, on the numbers. It's that kind of thing that it felt a little bit archaic, and he felt a little bit stuck in his ways in that regard. Um, so it's good to know that that wasn't something he was resistant to, but... Uh, the coaches never felt informed, apparently, on how the new personnel department was using analytics in its process, according to a team source. Titans ownership embraced Carthon's vision, informed by his time with the 49ers, one of the best run organizations in the NFL. Um, and the, his assistant GMs, Chad Brinker and Anthony Robinson, were in support of that. The question was, is Mike Vrabel going to get on this train with us? And that's a fair question to ask. Ultimately, in the end, I guess the answer was no, because... Uh, the Titans considered moving on from Vrabel, according to the article, after last season, which that was the first thing that I read. And I said, oh, I didn't I didn't know that. It, it makes sense, I guess, in hindsight, that if they were so dead set on, OK, this is the year we're, we're going to this. We're going to bring this organization into the future. We're going to modernize our approach. We might have a head coach that's a, that's a caveman. Maybe we need to, <laughs> even though he's a good coach, a darn good ball coach, which I think that he is. Maybe it's time to go find somebody that's more in line with that vision. And they actually did consider moving on from him. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Yes, coming off of a seven straight losing streak. That like that's fair. It, it wouldn't have been the most crazy thing in the world. But without this current season under his belt, without any of the information from this season, can you imagine if they had moved on from him suddenly on, on Wednesday of of the last week of the season last year? It's just oh, by the way, Mike Vrabel fired. It's ten people would have lost their minds. Yeah, I mean, it would have been a very bad look, and I think it. it I think. A lot of it came down to, I think, 
Amy Adams Strunk really trying to ride it out last season because I think there is something to say between it. While it wasn't necessarily in this article, but maybe Mike Vrabel more of the, under the assumption that Ryan Calvin was maybe going to also kind of co-GM that and have his say in the building. Mm-hmm. And uh, Amy Adams Strunk was just not on board with that. And that's where that initial clash goes. So Amy Adams Strunk gave him the benefit of the doubt, said, let's see if we can take a year and see if we can get this to mesh. And obviously Ryan Cowden moves on, but it, it doesn't get any better this season, especially. Um, and, and we can move on after this to talking about just kind of some of the telltale signs that once we saw early on in the season, when we it, it really at the beginning of the season wasn't working, we start right. to get more and more of these things pop up that, really probably pushed Amy Adams drunk over the edge. Yeah. And um, the next thing in the article that caught me off guard, um, not that we, cause we'd been talking about this felt like it had been back and forth for a couple months now was part of the rub. Mike Vrabel wanting full control over the roster or not. There was, I think Diana Rossini herself was reporting earlier on in this process that no, Mike Vrabel has never asked for full control of, of the personnel on this team. Um, I believe at that point, her sourcing was variable, um, which a lot of her sourcing over the years has been. I, I have been led to believe in the in the past week, really, that her sourcing now is coming from Amy Adams Trunk and her circle. I have reason to believe that that's the case. Um, and, and so it sounds like somebody's lying. <laughs> it sounds like, because uh, according to the, the story, it said last season before Rand Carthon was ever on board, I think there's also a, a a point to look at it that his control of the roster is via a Ryan Calden or somebody who is in his mm-hmm, corner and mm-hmm. is going to listen to him very much. So without saying that he has control of the roster, in, he has informal control. He has informal right, control right, right, right. and he knows where this is going to go other than having a new guy. Now, to be fair, um, this is another very interesting topic I think that we will probably get to later, but talking about Ryan Calden still at the, at the end of last year before the draft, having controlling and, and forming that draft board right. for, for last season. And um, uh, personally, when I first read that, I was like, wow, so this really means that Rand Carthen is going to have, this is the first year we're going to see the Rand Carthen um, and what he can do. But then as we kind of found out today that it's not all, it's not just Ryan Cowden. I'm doing glad that. that you saw that. Yes. Um, I was about to correct you. Yeah. It, and, and so then the I was like, okay, it's kind of a misleading way. It of, is right. You're, you're actually, you're the guy moving the pieces and organizing things, but you're not the one making the decisions. Right? Exactly. That's, that's but the difference. It, it does beg the question that Ryan Callan was definitely still in those, those discussions for making those uh, yes. picks this season. And then was immediately shift off afterwards, which is, <laughs> which is a tough look, I think <laughs> to, yeah. to do, to do your part and then just get uh, shown the door. But that's, that's kind of how this has gone right now for, um, some of the guys that Mike Vrabel had in his corner, Amy Adams Trunk, obviously is not a big fan of, of having that many people in the building that are really in line and in tune with Mike Vrabel. As mm-hmm. she's talked about this entire process, she wants a new vision, fresh ideas, and maybe it was just getting a little too stale and a little too Vrabel-y, and that's why she wants to change it up. So back to this article, whether it was formal or informal formal control, at the beginning of last year's offseason before Rand Carthen was hired, according to the article... Vrabel wanted full control over the roster, saying that he'd earned it, and Strunk pointedly disagreed, as she should. This is a point in Amy Adams' corner, absolutely, and her belief over the years is that head coaches shouldn't have full control, as they shouldn't. We've talked about this. 
no man, no matter how talented a football human being you are, you, you just don't, nobody has the bandwidth to be a great personnel guy and a great coaching guy. It's just uh, you, you can't do it. There's not enough hours in the day. You don't have enough time uh, to, to do it all and to know it all and be, be above average to great at both of those things. We, we've seen it count pretty much every time it's been tried, right? Like Bill Belichick, the GM arguably got Bill Belichick, the coach mutually released today. Yep. Um, Bill O'Brien got himself fired because of his GMing in Houston, not because of his coaching. It's just really not a thing that has any precedent. Um, and again, Vrabel saying he's maybe he maybe you could argue he had earned it, but there are coaches that I mean, Bill Belichick, I'd say he'd earned it more than anybody has ever earned it. It's not about an earn it thing. It's not a thing that you can do well. And so that's the point. You shouldn't be doing it. And so Amy Adams Strunk making that clear, that's not going to be the case. And then when they were close to actually hiring Rand Carthon, apparently Vrabel told Strunk that he liked Rand, but he didn't feel he was ready to become an NFL general manager yet. Vrabel's suggestion was that the Titans hire Carthon as the assistant GM, which would be a promotion from his position as the number three guy in the 49ers pecking order. Strunk did not take kindly to that suggestion, uh, according to this team source, and their relationship took a hit as a result of that conversation, which is interesting to me because just them disagreeing on that, for, for the, this source to say, I think that their relationship took a hit because of that conversation. The, there must have been more to that conversation. Then, yes, because that that's not that's just a disagreement. What whether it may, my best guess, maybe she came away from that conversation discouraged because she was already uncertain whether or not this arranged marriage was going to work. And the fact that it sounded like her head coach wasn't trust, not, not even not on board, but just not trusting of the guy that she was bringing in to be his equal. That I think is a discouraging thing. So maybe that's what that means. But we're about to dive into even more interpersonal relational things between between Carthon or between uh, Vrabel and Amy. I think both of them didn't act super well in all of this. It certainly doesn't sound like they were being very good uh, communicative adults yes. about these things. And like a lot, of, I mean, how many relationships in your life that have deteriorated or you've lost, you can point back in hindsight and say some better communication probably would have would have solved this or, or I mean, everybody's been in a situation where you just, you, you hate somebody's guts for something. And then you talk it out and you realize it's actually this. If we had just talked this out earlier, none of this would have been an issue. All this mental festering and um, hatred building up in your heart that it's like, Oh, it was just a misunderstanding. That's, that's the avoidable part of all of this. That's really frustrating to read in hindsight. So let's, let's dive into some of those things. Yeah. Um, so let's see here. We talk about Vrabel going to New England. That's kind of where things really started to fall apart, it sounds like, according to this article. Um, he said, quote, in his speech, his Hall of Fame speech in New England, he said, I don't want you to take this organization for granted. I've been a lot of places. This is a special place with great leadership, great fans, great direction, and great coaching. Enjoy it. It's not like this everywhere, end quote. The whole event did not sit well with Amy Adams Strunk, a team source said. She and Vrabel never talked about it. But she let it fester. And that's the biggest thing, right? Like, what are we doing? Exactly. If I, it's bothering you, talk to your head coach about it. That's it. That is, I mean, we gave Amy points earlier. That this is a couple points away from her. This is, this is bad. This is not just bad ownership. This is bad management. This is bad leadership. This, this kind of behavior, when, when this happens once, this is the kind of thing that to me is indicative of this person is just like that a little bit. And that's not 
good news, I think, for Titans fans. And I think they're, as the article kind of continues, Amy Adams Strunk cares very much about this organization. She cares about it both um, on the on the field and then what financially, financially, sure. and then also what fans think. Mm-hmm. Like we'll get into later. She but reads the press clipping. She she reads the press clipping. She understands what some of these games mean, and when this team gets embarrassed, sometimes to, she knows to her, some of these games mean matter. They, they, matter they more mean than others. a lot. And so when you have your head coach, who's still the head coach, go into Foxborough like that and. Uh, in the middle of the season, just it is you not know, like it's not July. Right? It's this not is July. October. This is this is right after the trip from London. After Ryan Tannehill gets hurt, they're on the bye week. It's, a big pivot need, point for your franchise. They need right. to regroup, and he goes to New England and has this speech. Comes back, and then I thought this was really interesting. I went back and re-listened to kind of that that press conference where Gentry Estes asks some of those questions, and of course Jared Stillman kind of barges in and that created that comic relief, right? However, seemed like as I was reading, as I was listening to it again, it, it, Vrabel really struggled to answer that question. And it felt to me that the answer he was truly giving, which was they've just been a very good team for so long. They're super competitive. They've won these, this many I don't Super actually Bowls. take issue with anything he said. Yeah, it's just I a don't. fact. It's just... But if it's an issue, talk talk about yes. it. And it seems like he, both read, of them, read the really room. did read not want to talk about it. No, no, not at all. I mean, it, they should have. Um, again, for them to say in this article, they never talked about it, but she let it fester. That's a problem. And as Zach says in the comments, 100%, he said, this article made me feel better about the Mike Ripple firing, worse about Amy Adams Strunk. And Zach, it's, you and I had a personal conversation about this a couple of days, maybe a week or two ago, about how Amy Adams Strunk seemingly continues to back her way into good results, but the process, man, it's, it is, it's not great. it is, it is bad process somehow resulting in positive results. But as long as the process remains bad long, t- I mean, this is like, this is like the squarest better, you know, and they just have a crazy September because the public was just killing it. The books were getting murdered this year. Like remember us talking through the first two months. It was like, man, the public is killing it right now. It's still bad process. Long-term, those guys are losers. Long-term, those are the guys that are helping them build casinos in the middle of the desert. The same applies to anything in life, but especially in this line of work, if you're an owner with bad process, you're eventually going to reap what you sow. Um, And so I don't know how she continues to get away with this, but she she can't keep getting away with this. (laughs) She is, and that's it's good for Titans fans short-term, but long-term, I think it's absolutely something to be concerned about. Let's continue through the article here. Um, This is where, I mean talk about not feeling great about Amy Adams Strunk. Here, here's the thing that was the, the pettiest, most childish part um, uh, in terms of, I, I guess, reflect ref, in this article does not define Amy Adams Strunk as a person. I don't want it to, to come across that way, but it's not a good reflection on her character here. Let's say that Strunk left the week 14 game in Miami against the dolphins early, believing they were going to lose after falling behind 27 to 13, her and many Titans fans. I'm sure um, they come back. She's ecstatic that they come back and win. Although, um, this is a weird part of it. Even though the Titans won, a member of the team's analytics staff didn't think Vrabel should have gone for two on that late touchdown. I found that. It's kind of a weird, first of all, weird thing to throw in there. Yes. Second of all, are we sure that's, I mean, they're the analytics guys. I thought it was an analytically sound decision. Apparently, maybe it wasn't. Regardless, um, she was thrilled that the Titans pulled it off. But then one week later, the Titans 
lose to the member. It was not just the Texans. It was the B, B team, B squad Texans at home in overtime. And Amy was visibly angry after that loss. Of course, she's grown up in the Houston area, big Texas girl, family deeply rooted there. It matters more to her, right? We've talked about this. Uh, that's when several members of the Titans staff believe she had made up her mind. She wanted to move on from Vrabel. She consulted with others in the NFL uh, about that decision, but ultimately the decision was all hers with no input from Rand Carthon. So confirming, confirming what we heard from him on Tuesday. But you know what this tells me? And I think, uh, I think it was Mike Herndon that tweeted this out earlier today. This confirms the idea that the firing, the timing of the firing of John Robinson was not an accident on the heels of AJ Brown lighting them up in Philadelphia after he traded him away in the offseason. That was an, that was a thousand percent in a, an emotional reaction from a, a overly emotional, overly reactive owner. In, in that instance, she was overly, I'm not going to say in general she is, but that decision it seems was overly emotional and overly reactive. Again, I think good results. He should have been fired, but that, that being the thing that caused you to do it. And then here, the Titans losing back-to-back to Houston, getting swept, getting embarrassed by them twice at the end of the season, and that being the thing that, that makes your mind up, that's not, that's not good. That's, that, is, that is flawed process. That's emotions clouding your ability to be the best that you can be. I have a hard time taking things she says seriously in these statements of hers, talking about how nothing matters more to me than the success of this. I'm sure she believes it. But if, if, if nothing matters more to you than doing whatever it takes for this organization to be the best that it can be, you can't operate as an owner in that, in that capacity, in that fashion. That's not the way that you do it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And this is something I think I kind of talked to you about earlier, earlier this, this season about maybe this just this entire time from the John Robinson firing to now, mm-hmm. how much it could have changed if simply everyone step back and took a deep breath like just take a week take do a something week. else because um, yep. in the grand scheme of things nothing really changed uh, um, from week to week with this titans team in the last two years and i think she probably would have came to the same conclusions as she did with both of these but it probably for the better of the organization would have kind of set things up a lot better than where we are right now. Yes. Um, and I think also and it's going to burn her eventually. Yes. Right? This bad process. We, you could see it as soon as the decision to hire this coach. I mean, if, if the bad process permeates all of, all of the business dealings, it, it, you either, you either operate with good process or bad process. It, it seems to me that her process is not that great. How does that inspire any confidence that they're going to get this coaching hire? Right. And if they don't, she said it herself. This is the most important offseason, she said, I think, in Titans history, in organization's history. Better get that coaching hire right. And if your process is poor, I don't trust you to do that. Yep, I agree. Okay, the last bit from the article, um, and then we're going to move on to some coaching landing spots. This is just kind of wrapping it up here. At 11 a.m. on Tuesday, Vrabel joined Strunk and team president Burke Nihill for a meeting that lasted two minutes. They told Mike Vrabel that he uh, they appreciated his time with the Titans but they were moving in a new direction. He was fired. There was never any discussion between the organization and Vrabel about trading him to coach another team or of a restructuring of power for him to remain with the Titans. Um, that's it. That's the end of the Mike Vrabel era. It, it sounds like there was no, I mean, what I would pay to be a fly on the wall in that room, right. first of all, uh, to see even, to, even to Rand Carthen couldn't have been a fly uh, on that wall, right? Was not allowed to be. Nope. Um, 
that article. So like, I think, I think Zach summed it up perfectly. And this is what I was going to say here at the end. And he, he took the words right out of my mouth. It makes you feel better about the decision to fire Mike Vrabel. It makes you feel worse about the decision making ability of Amy Adams drunk. And um, like I said, at the top, there are some things that were unavoidable and there were some things that are avoidable. The things that were avoidable, the communication breakdown, the acting like children and letting things fester, the, the disagreement and not talking about it any further, the, the letting simple disagreements about work affect you personally. That's all very avoidable stuff that there needs to be some serious. <laughs> that can't be the, the thing going forward. You can't continue to operate yeah. like that or you're going to be bad for a long time. Um, the things that were unavoidable, which make you feel better, I think, about the, the decision to move on from, from Mike Vrabel, the fact that this team is dead set on being super modern, super analytically driven, super forward thinking. They have that guy in Rand Carthon. They now appear to be seeking out that guy to pair with him as the head coach of this team. Mike Vrabel, despite being a darn good football coach, and he is, in my opinion, but I, I believe this, um, he's not that guy. He, he, he's just a different breed of guy, and he doesn't – it's it's a good good coach, bad fit situation at this point. Um, so I think that, uh, that that's my main takeaway. What about you? Yeah, I, I think that this is – even though it is um, – it, it's come as a shock and they're moving into a new di direction, it is an exciting direction because sure. uh, gone will most likely be the days of this Tennessee team is an old-style – football team ground and pound like they're going to get you through the run game now we, they might they, actually score 30 points they in some might games. They, they might blow some teams out who knows the, it's exciting it's are exciting right but, or they could be firing their new coach in two to three years they so could, I, yes. you know what it's it's a big boom i mean this is amy this is amy putting uh a couple bands on on black on, on black and spinning that wheel yeah this is a high stakes Hopefully table. it's a little bit more of an informed bet on black, <laughs> not, but you know, not just a, not just a 50, 50 yeah. shot. We, we can hope, but again, if the process is bad, it might be worse True. than 50, 50. We'll have to see. Let's talk about coaching landing spots. Um, we've got eight of them. Now the eight teams that are without a head coach and are going to fill that position in the coming weeks and months are the chargers, the commanders, the Falcons, the Panthers, the Patriots, the Raiders, the Seahawks, the Titans. And today there's been some buzz about a potential mystery team that has not yet fired their coach who may very well do so in the coming weeks in particular because of Bill Belichick now being on the market. The buzz around that specifically is it might be a playoff team and you immediately go to Cowboys. We heard just this week, despite Mike McCarthy's statistical success with the Cowboys in his tenure there uh, on the radio, Jerry Jones said we are evaluating our coaching staff's performance game to game. So if that doesn't tell you about how much the playoff performance matters to, to Jerry, I don't know what does. And you can't tell me that Jerry would not pull that quick one and fire a guy that's won a lot of games. If it meant he could go get the best coach of all time. Those are numbers, baby. Those are butts and seats. <laughs> that's that is attention. And that is crack cocaine to Jerry Jones. And then you've heard a lot about the Eagles, which on paper would be, bonkers i went back today nick nick sirianni who apparently is on the ropes if he, if he continues to fall apart with this eagles team he's 25 and 9 as a head coach he is two for two on making the playoffs and he has a super bowl appearance all in two years if it, that guy got fired 
it'd be completely and utterly unprecedented. And but, I, I've talked to a couple of Eagles fans who have been who in, believe in my it, mentions, and right? they absolutely believe it. They yes. believe if this Buccaneers team at home is able to win this game and win it convincingly, Nick Sirianni will be gone, which I think is interesting. But I think there's also something to be said about Nick I'm, Sirianni I'm not both being sides not, here. Not being, I think it's crazy, but also it's, it's not crazy. I, I I see I see where they're coming from. There's been talk about is Nick Sirianni truly ready to be a head coach? Has a, he been getting carried by talent? Has he been ca- sure. getting carried by talent? Is he now lost the locker room? The, these are questions that have been asked, and it's all going to be uh, unwrapping on Monday night. So it'll be really interesting to see. Maybe I'm a bad person, but I'm hoping they lose now. Just I just I need the circus. I need the circus. Um, but anyways, so there might be a ninth spot, but I, I don't. Some folks are saying, well, hold your horses. It may not just be a, the Titans competition. May, I, my understanding is the vibe that I'm getting is that night spot might appear for Bill Belichick and Bill Belichick only. And if, yes. if that's the case, then that's that's a separate situation. But with mm-hmm. these eight teams, um, there's been a lot of rankings and Titans fans have said about rankings from national outlets talking about how the Titans, are they the sixth best landing spot? Seventh? Are they dead? Are they the worst landing spot of it? First of all, anyone that thinks that the worst landing spot, I think. Uh, Tough. I've got I've got a bridge to sell you, um, but I think, as I prefaced at the top of the show, I think that you can make an argument for most all of these spots, depending on what you value most as a prospective head coach. And I think everybody's rankings of these openings are different online for good reason, because the appeal is in the eye of the beholder, which I think applies to the coaches themselves. I think different head coaching candidates are going to be looking and valuing looking for and valuing different things. So let me let me go team by team. Um, na- name a team that needs a coach, and I'll try to sell you on it. Okay, is this where you're going to sell me on I'm it? I'm going to sell this, you on each this, team. Okay. Um, start with Seattle. Okay, Seattle's easy, dude. Okay. Do you want, if you're a prospective head coach, would you like to come in to a team that has everything pretty much already figured out? They've been competitive. They've got stars. Got a couple holes here and there. Cap situation, not the greatest. They got draft picks, though. They have a history of winning. And again, you've got a serviceable quarterback. You've got both your tackles who are young and looking good. And you've got talented, talented receiving options. Your offense is going to be humming. It's a plug and play. You come in and you're going to find success. It it really is. And I think that would sell me on that one. Having um, John Schneider and, and that ownership group, along with now Pete Carroll, maybe moving into that front office. Advisor Pete Carroll. It, it sounds, whispering in your ear. Sounds pretty Sweet nice. Sure. Maybe sounds like a place where Mike Vrabel could just go coach. You know, it could be interesting could and be. an outside shot. I'm, I'm guessing because it's important to note that typically, and this is the case with people in all relationships, right? Like when your buddy, he's been, he's, a long-term relationship with this smoking hot blonde. She's like a, like a, like a, like a frat girl type. Just like really, no, no, no. Hear me out. Hear me out on this, on this. Got like a a very bubbly attitude, right? People person, very, very loud, but in an endearing way, right? They finally break up. What's the rebound. It's never the same kind of, you, you swing in the opposite direction, right? It's somebody you're like, Oh, he's dating her now. What's what's going on? She's the she's the opposite of Amy. She, you know, a lot of Amy today. Okay, yeah. Stacy. She's the opposite okay. of Stacy, right? It's that way with with most relationships. We tend to say, the president, for example. You hear all the time that American politics is a pendulum, right? It, it's always swinging back and forth. You, you get a, a a hardcore Republican in office, midterm Congress is changing 
blue. You're getting the Democrats in there, right? And it's going to flip-flop. Back and forth, we swing. The same applies to coaching. And you can look historically, coaches and GMs that are hired for teams. Typically, when you are a team that just fired your coach who's a old-school, stalwart, grumpy, not super easy to get along with at times, uh, not super advanced analytically, ground and pound, like that's his MO, old school. The rebound typically is like, let's get a let's get a Brandon Staley in here. Let's get a let's get a Mike McDaniel in here, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. With the GM, it's like if you've got a guy that was super aggressive all the time, trading up and down and spin pushing money into the future. Right now, you're gonna get somebody that's like, we're gonna we're gonna build responsibly. We're gonna go Green Bay Packers on this thing. We're gonna we're gonna fill holes as we need them. We're gonna we're gonna keep uh keep our feet under us, and we're just gonna operate. And we're gonna we're gonna be long term success, right? That kind of thing applies with coaching. And I say all that to say, you have to take that into consideration. I think with some of these jobs, for example, when you when you see Titans fans reacting to the Titans announcing that they want to uh, interview some of these more old school defensive head coaches, a lot of fans rightly are like, "Isn't that the thing that you just got rid of?" Like what? What? No. Like you need to change, like do something different, right? I think the same applies for Seattle. I think if they went and got like a Mike Vrabel, folks would be like, "What change? Why do we fire Pete?" Like, yeah. <laughs> right. Like so, yeah. I think that's I think that's a fair point to to mention. Okay, give me another team. Give me another team. Uh, let's go with the Commanders. Oh, the Commanders is I, in my opinion, the Commanders is the number one spot for great reason. Defense. Okay. You sold off. You sold off some assets. You got some building to do on defense. Fair. Mm-hmm. But what do you have? You've got a bunch of money. You've got bunch of draft picks and you got a very high draft pick this year because on offense you're ready to go with some offensive linemen that you can bring in in the draft and in free agency and you need a quarterback right Sam Howell's not the guy but you've got the number two pick you're gonna get Drake May Caleb Williams Jaden Daniels one of those guys is gonna be on your team next year so you're gonna rock and roll with Terry McLaurin and and uh blanking here um well, which one are you going to go with? Curtis Samuel, Curtis, yeah, right. Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, thank you. Thank one you. of those two. Yeah. They've got they got some boys on that team that can run. They got they got Antonio Gibson back there. They like Brian Brian um uh Robinson. Brian Robinson. But bad names day for me. Yes. Brian Robinson. They've got offensive skill players. They just mm-hmm. need the quarterback, which they're going to get. You're going to be rocking and rolling. You got a the, the vibes are immaculate because you got a brand new o- owner. Yes. Right. Things are looking up for the first time in two decades in Washington. So easy sell job on Washington. I think it's a, I think it is the number one, in my opinion, number one most attractive job out there. All right. Let's go. I, this might be the hardest one for me personally. Um, the Raiders job. Mm, so here's a roster that is kind of in good shape. Defense sneaky, right? Okay. I, I, I like, I like some things on Max Crosby yep. out there balling with the boys, like yep. do, doing some, doing some damage under the radar, but they down the stretch this past season looks very good. Looking pretty good, right? Um, you don't quite know who's going to be quarterback. You've got some weapons on offense. You got Josh Jacobs back there. You got Devontae Adams. Maybe, under contract. maybe Josh Jacobs. Under- L- listen, you've got some guys yeah. currently under contract that you might can convince to stick around if you're a good coach. Yes. Okay. The point is you need a quarterback. I don't know where you're getting one. Um, but the, I mean, maybe a little Justin Fields action. Bring him in. I mean, I maybe you go sell out, move up in the draft. They've got they've got some capital to, to move. You go and get your guy. So that's that's what there are two that are a harder sell job for me. That's one of them. Okay, let's do the other one then. Yeah. Carolina Panthers. Let's put you. Let's are put you, you back to back here. This is easy, right? Are you okay. a super fan of Bryce Young? Big Bryce guy, the biggest. I mean, just huge all day. Bryce Young. If you're a fan of him and also 
no other great players on your team and no capital and the worst owner in the league, then the Carolina Panthers are the spot for you, baby. Come right, on in. Right. Fix sounds, this team. Honestly, it really feels like a Ben Johnson job. You think so? I think so. Why? I think last year he knew he saw the writing on the wall with that one and said, I'm not ready to be a head coach. And now I think seeing how bad this team is right now, I think the Panthers are ready to, to risk it all for, for, for him once again. And just throw the biggest bag ever at him? I, I think so. That's the only way you're getting him to yeah. go there, right? I think That's the so. Only way. Okay, give me another team. Uh, let's go Falcons. Oh, Falcons. Easy. A pretty similar situation to the Commanders for me. Mm -hmm. Pretty ready-made roster. You've got, I don't know if you've ever heard this before. I, I don't think anybody's ever mentioned it on TV or anything. They got some pretty good, highly drafted offensive skill players on that on that roster. They got a couple of, of boys. <laughs> yep. Uh defense looking up for the first time in a while. True. You just need a quarterback, right? Big primo Justin Fields landing spot. I think he'd be awesome to see play in that offense. Um, you've got the eighth overall pick, so not out of the realm of possibility. You get me get a little Bo Nix in there. Maybe trade trade some things, move up, get your get Jaden Daniels in there, uh, get a little Michael Penix. I mean, like it's possible that you get your guy, and in fairness, to, not to be too disrespectful, but I don't know how to say this something disrespectful. Uh, it's gonna be hard to do much worse at the quarterback position than what they've done in recent in recent years. So that's you fair. just need it's a plug and play. Get your quarterback, and you're gonna be rock and rolling in Atlanta. Yeah, uh, let's do the Chargers. The Chargers. Let me tell you, the Chargers are. Uh, this is a, I think this is the perfect analogy. I was proud of myself for this one. I'm not going to lie to you. Here's the yeah. analogy for the Chargers. You ready? The Chargers are, you've seen the movie Aladdin, right? The Disney yes. movie Aladdin. They're the cave of wonders in Aladdin. Remember the, it's the, the big mm -hmm. lion's head that yep. comes out of the sand. It's where Aladdin has to go in and recover the magic lamp. Yep. There's a magic lamp with a genie inside the Chargers organization that we know will pop out and grant your wishes. His name's Justin Herbert. Like yes, he it's in there. It's it's gonna rock if you can get a hold of it. The rest of the treasure on that roster is a straight up trap. It's all a trap. Everything about it, uh, their cap situation, a nightmare. Yep. They're aging veterans who they either need to cut and take a big cap, uh, dead cap hit or extend, which would be kind of ill advised, a disaster. And they got some frustrating young guys that aren't quite panning out, yep. right? So you can't ignore the lamp because it's there. And it's going to grant your wishes. And if you're an offensive coach, like how often does a coaching position become like the last coaching position that I think came available like this, where you've got this good of a proven young quarterback on the roster ready to do your bidding was I think Frank Reich with Andrew Luck like that. Yeah. That was the last one for me. Um, this is a, a home run quarterback situation. And then everything else is really concerning. But if you're a coach, it's just like, that's the GM's job. That's not my job. Who do I? I don't care. Yeah. That's the, so that, then that's the job for you. Yeah, I like that one there. Uh, let's move to the Patriots job. The Patriots is, it's kind of the middle of the road one for me. Mm -hmm. um, because if you want to go and look, like if you're looking for a less built out roster, that you can do some work on. Where you can still draft a quarterback this year, you got a pretty high draft pick. You can go get your guy if you want him because they're what are they three? Yes, yeah, three. So you, you, you're, you're gonna get one of those top three guys if you want if you want them, yep. or you can go get Marvin Harrison Jr. Hello, yep. declared today, right? Then you know that, and you get to work under a great owner who is one of the few that you know in the league is committed to winning above all else. Robert Kraft done a lot of winning; that's mm -hmm. his thing. Yep. Uh, then this is the spot for you. You're a patriot. Yeah, and then finally, the Titans. And we've talked about this a ton, right? It's like, do you like the idea of coaching on a complete rebuild around an exciting young quarterback who is young and cheap and free to you? 
and you're going to have a lot of money to spend on him during his rookie contract. This year, you've got a ton of cap space and you've got high draft picks to fill some significant holes. You're going to be aligned with a young, forward-thinking, innovative, modern co coaching staff that you get to bring in around you and an existing front office and, and, a, and an owner who process good or process bad is dead set on becoming one of the respected teams in the league, then that's the spot for you. You just, you've got to want, you've got to like Will Levis, which I think a lot of coaches actually do based on their grading of him last year. But then what they saw from him this year, proving like clearly this guy belongs in the NFL and you're going to, you're not going to have a ton of say in the roster, but no coach is just getting like, they're going to, you know, the front office is going to hear your input. They, they're going to want to tailor the, the raw, I mean, Mike, Mike Vrabel, or excuse me, Rand Carthon said at his press conference, even after Mike Vrabel had been fired, still my job, whoever the guy comes in here, he says, I view my job as serving the coaching staff. You're going to be served by a guy that's got a ton of resources at his disposal yep. to spend to build whatever you're wanting to build out there. Yep. So I, that, that, that is a long thought exercise to prove my point. That depending on who you are, depending on what you want and what you're looking for as a potential head coach, you, you can really convince yourself that most all of these spots are worthy of being filled. That being said, I am going to try to rank them. Okay. Uh, so, so here's my rankings right now. If I, for me, if I was the guy going in, I would say commanders clears. That's the number one. Yeah, uh, that's the, I, I think that if I offered that job, I'm taking that job and then kind of a gap. And then I think the middle five are kind of bunched up and I have them in this order, but you could argue to flip flop some guys. I've got Titans, chargers, Seahawks, Falcons, Patriots. And then another gap, Raiders, and then maybe another gap, Panthers. Like that's, I think I got that's so, yeah. what, what do we think about that? Is it, I, I imagine most of the argument is that middle group. Yeah, the pretty close for me. Mine goes Are Commanders follow. yours, the, the top Commanders well? are number yeah. one. That makes the most sense. Um, the middle for me is personally Seahawks, number one, because they are the most primed Plug and, play. and ready sure. to, to compete once again. Yep. Not a lot structurally in that in that organization changes. Next up for me is Titans, just because uh, I, I think they have a nice little piece in Will Levis, mm -hmm. and you can have so much money to build around him. Yep. Uh, next is the Chargers, Patriots, Falcons. And then, like you said, a big gap is the Raiders. Not because I don't I don't think that it's a, a nice job or it's complicated by Antonio one. Pierce by the way that's because, what I'm saying yeah. I think he is going to get a real shot at that job and then finally sure. the Panthers are an absolute mess I my so my number one takeaway from after we've talked all this out I want to know because again our, my point is I think you can make an argument for anything I'm sure there are folks out there that are you know, like we saw national folks today ranking the Panthers as a better job than the Titans I want to know that that's really the only job that I can't make any kind of argument for myself. Besides, maybe you're a huge Bryce Young fan. Yeah, say, I, hey, it, this is a good job for you because ownership, assets, team around Bryce Young, everything else is just not looking up. It feels like a losing battle. Sure, there, like you take that job and it feels like a losing battle. Which, it, to the point that, back kind of making this full circle here, the Titans. It's not just that they're going to have whoever they want. There is going to be some serious competition for these coaches out here, and, and it's a big going part to be it's going to be money. By the it's way, it's going to be money, but also there's a lot of teams out here with very intriguing jobs. So um, the Titans are going to have to put their work in to get the guy that they believe is is their future head coach. Yep. All right. Um, let's before we get to the best bet gauntlet here, we, we would be remiss without mentioning the current updated list of Titans head coaching interview request tracking. Um, we've got nine guys on the list now as of Thursday evening when we're recording this live. Um, 
And I'll tell you those guys as soon as segue. We talk about wonderful and amazing sponsors here on the Hot Read Podcast, Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House. Guys, we are here live at Boomba's in Spring Hill once again, as we are each and every Thursday afternoon. We love coming to do shows here, not because it's a great establishment. It's a fun place to get to set up and do a show on location. But afterwards, we could go eat and drink, get an excuse to, to come on out and have some of the delicious food and beverages they have here. JT and I, I've already, it's 40 minutes and I've forgotten. This the is a blonde ale, a blonde ale from, yes. do you remember the uh, uh, Crosstown? Crosstown, local establishment, new on tap here. I've quite enjoyed this. And then you're rocking with a hazy IPA over yes. here, also new. Yes. from uh fat bottom fat bottom which i think some folks will recognize as another local uh lo- local brewery here in the tennessee area man they've got a great selection on tap of local and domestic brews they've got fantastic food and they make pizza better than arguably a lot of other companies in america maybe one of the best in america based on the awards it's hard to argue they're the only company in america to have won best new pizza twice twice uh, they've done that, and it's for good reason because their pizzas are delicious. They're unlike anything you've had before. Trust me, this is not your classic, oh, this is the best sliced pepperoni I've ever had. <laughs> no, my friend. No, my friend. These are craft pizzas. They are briskets. They are green chili chicken. They are a meat lovers, unlike any other meat lovers you've had. It, it really is special, a Nona pizza that we really like. They've got great options that you're going to, they're going to unlock some of your taste buds that you didn't know you had. So come on out to Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House. Three locations in the Middle Tennessee area. They've got East Nashville, if you're in the in-town area, uh, in downtown. Spring Hill, which is about 20, 25 minutes south of town, down I-65. Very easy commute. And then you've got a Murfreesboro location. Whichever Boomba's you are nearest, go and check them out. Tell them that Easton and JT sent you. Tell them that the Hot Read Podcast sent you. We would love uh, to hear reports that there are folks turning up because of the show all over the middle Tennessee area. That'd be fantastic for us. So help us out and help yourself out by getting some delicious pizza in your belly. It's so good. I promise. I, I really can't tell you enough about it. Um, okay. So the coaches, the Titans have already requested JT five offensive coaches, four defensive coaches, Brian Cal- Callahan, this is offensive coaches, Brian Callahan, offensive coordinator for the Bengals, Mike Kafka, offensive coordinator for the giants, Ben Johnson, the most popular candidate on this list, offensive coordinator for Detroit, Bobby Slowick, OC for Houston, and Brian Johnson, the OC for Philadelphia, are the offensive coaches that have reportedly been requested so far. And of course, caveat, there are always chances that they're not telling us certain names. This is all that's been reported. Defensive coaches, Antonio Pierce from Las Vegas, um, Dan Quinn from Dallas, Aaron Glenn from Detroit, and Mike McDonald from Baltimore. Uh, A little extra tidbit on that. Some other coaches that are in the pool of potential coaches in the NFL this year that the Titans are decidedly not in on Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh. They are not on the Titans candidate list per Diana Rossini per a source of hers. Um, the team is, by the way, this is a part of that report as well. The team is open to a coach who specializes on either side of the ball. There is no specific criteria in that regard. So uh, we've made our point clear. I think we're going to dive more into the coaching search in the coming weeks. Cause that, you know, we're going to start getting hot. We're going to start narrowing down some names I believe they had their first interview today with Brian Callahan they out did. of Cincinnati. Um, we'll have to hear how that did or yeah. did not go. And Alex in the in the comments here says he's curious of my thoughts since it's in the neighborhood. Uh, yeah, so of, tell us about Brian Callahan. Um, so Brian Callahan. You reached out to some folks back I home, did. correct? And there's, I think there's a disconnect between who he is as a football player and who uh, the results, football coach, yeah. and, and the results that he gets from, from his team, which okay. I don't believe is exactly all of his fault as it's been made aware 
Brian Callahan does not call the plays for the Cincinnati Bengals. That is solely on Zach Taylor. Um, but he is involved with scheming up every single game plan for every single week. And some of the downsides of him that that I've talked to a couple folks in the Cincinnati media talk about um, is that his lack of being able to, to change up and adjust ideas that – um, is a big thing that I think Amy Adam Strunk wants is versatility and uh, shakeup of new ideas. However, as a candidate as a whole, um, we've heard both from T Higgins straight from the mouth of T Higgins, who could be a, a popular about Brian uh, free agent this this season. Um, glaring or every, everything is glaring check marks on him. Good guy. He is a real team guy that everyone gets behind. Players clearly love him. And also, I think if you're looking for a guy that is going to be able to really develop Will Levis, I think he's maybe mm. the best option here. A couple of coaches that Brian Callahan has been around. Uh, Tim Tebow, Peyton Manning, Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr, Joe Burrow, of course, and also Andy Dalton here at, at, with Cincinnati. Hilarious that that list starts with Tim Tebow. Right. The rest I'm a fan of. Yeah, but no, the, I'm a fan. But the rest are... It got better are, as you went. It really did. Um, are quarterbacks who have had proven success in this league. And so if you're looking for an offensive minded guy who is well-rounded and well-liked in the locker room, and also has a really good chance to develop Will Levis into the quarterback that we know he can be. Um, he definitely, I think should be given a shot, but all the, all those other guys, my, my other favorite currently right now is Bobby Slowick out of Houston. Yeah. My top options like Callahan, Ben Johnson, Bobby Sloak, all the, those three offensive guys out of Houston, Detroit, and Cincinnati, they all intrigue me. I'd say that those are probably my top three as of right now. Um, the first defensive guy that I'm interested in is Mike McDonald out of Baltimore. There's a couple guys that haven't been requested yet that I'd have on my list as well. Um, the the OC out of uh, uh, Miami, I think, is a, an interesting candidate. Um, I, we're going to talk again more about this probably next week. Uh, but those are kind of the, where I'm at. I really am not a fan of the idea of Antonio Pierce for this team. Dan Quinn, Aaron Glenn, um, not super big on those guys. Matt, Mike Kafka and Brian Johnson. I don't, I don't quite. As you just said, yeah. Frank Smith, not a guy that they've reached out to yet, but not yet. Someone that you really like specifically. Yeah, yeah well, I, I did a little bit digging on him earlier this week, and I was a fan of what I saw and uh, what I heard. He was, I mean, he, he was rated. Talk about a guy that players love. He was rated as the number one offensive coordinator per the NFLPA's poll of players on which coordinators they liked and disliked the most. Um, so they love his teaching ability, his relatability, um, his, his, his everything about the way that he coaches that the players are a fan of, and that's a good team. So that I think that that's a, a positive mark for him there. Uh, do you want to get to the best that gauntlet and get out of here? Yeah. Uh, one more thing here from sure. Kenneth. He says he is curious if you have the ability to pitch a defensive coach right now for this Titans team. If I have the ability. Oh, oh I see. To, to Oh, like, like the game. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's a difficult one. It is because my, I am, I am staunch on the idea that this, if you're, if you're wanting to become modern, if you're wanting to, um, become a team that is, is thinking about their offense primarily, about the young quarterback primarily about being up on the latest in the league, then I think getting a, a sound offensive mind in here is the key. However, you could argue for a guy like Mike McDonald, for example, young, highly experienced leader of men, what he's going to come in and provide that's different from Vrabel, a little bit more analytically minded, a little bit more forward thinking, um, might have 
younger because the whole point of getting an offensive guy is so that you're not having to go through every two to three years if things go well constantly changing of your offensive coordinator right having him fired away that that is a concern if you have a defensive guy no matter what but if you have a younger more forward thinking more analytically modern coach like mike mcdonald in the house not only is your defensive scheme going to become i, I think a, a good tick or two better but he might bring in guys that are are younger and more forward thinking offensively um than a guy like Mike Vrabel was and and their fingerprints as the head coach, no matter what they are, offensive, defensive, or or special teams, they're going to have their fingerprints on that offense no matter what. We saw that with Vrabel and a guy like Tim Kelly, who I felt was held back at times by the Vrabel fingerprints on that offense, mm -hmm. things that he was and was not told to do. That kind of thing goes away if you have a guy like McDonald at the helm, in my opinion. Um, and and you get a guy in there like a Mike McDaniel as your OC, a young up and comer. And it's a guy that becomes a hot name. Yes. He might get hired away eventually, but you're going to let him cook for those years. And then you're going to have those younger, more modern, uh, resources in the, in the Rolodex to call up to replace them. So again, it's a, to Kenneth's point, it's a difficult sell. It really yep. is. Um, and if the Titans make a defensive head coach hire, I will be very curious to see how they sell us on it. And you know what? We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Yep. How about that? Um, let's get to the best bet gauntlet where JT, I don't know if folks have heard, we did pretty good on the best bet gauntlet this year. I'm just now pulling up our official numbers. Um, we, at the end of the year went this season, 114, 77 and seven, which is off the top of my head. I believe that's, was it 59 point something percent? 50, Very close. Yes. Yeah. 58, 59% range. I should have had this written down beforehand, but all time, our record now is 238, 172 and 16. That is a sample size of or approaching 500 total bets That's crazy. in two years. I know that is crazy. 58% all time, which is over the mark for professional money-making. Um, so we take this very seriously. We're very proud of the forward-thinking, analytically-driven, data-driven results that we're getting here on the Hot Read Podcast. We're up 44.34 units all time. So if you were blindly betting with the best bet gauntlet since the beginning of last season, putting 100 bucks in every game, you'd be up almost five grand today, which is crazy to think about jt um did officially win the competition hooray good for him congratulations uh but we are moving on to the playoffs and in the playoffs we're doing a five and five format again the difference is there are less games so we're opening up sides totals or props gotta have one of each but jt i did actually beat you in the last week and that is uh of no benefit to me because you got what was both of our? I'm assuming. I'm not. I'm just assuming that you're going to take what I, we've talked previously this week about being our favorite bet this week. So, without further ado, what is your first bet of the wild card edition of the best bet gauntlet? Yeah, and this is one we locked in. I think the line is already moving. Okay, um, but still, I was hoping you you would just somehow come in and be like, uh, actually. I'm going to go off the board here. But, no, yeah. I, I'm taking Green Bay plus seven and a half okay. at Dallas. What's the what's the age old saying? You never bet on the Dallas spread in a playoff game. That's and I think my gra my grandfather taught me that when I was two years yeah, old. Uh, yeah, this is I think this one rings true here again. This is, I think, maybe one of the hottest teams right now coming into the playoffs. Jordan Love has looked really, really good. Um, and this is going to be the first time that this Dallas team really plays a truly good opponent at home. Um, of course they've been known to blow out teams at home, but when you put it into perspective, Oh, some of those teams were the Patriots, the Raiders, the giants, um, the jets as well. They've not really played a solid team 
at home and blown them out. I think in this scenario here, this is a Green Bay team that matches up pretty well against this uh, this Dallas team. And I think they're going to keep it close just because I think Jordan Love is kind of on a heater right now. Yes. And this is a Dallas, this is a spot where Dallas notoriously always comes up short. And if you're giving me the hook on this one, I could totally see Dallas winning by seven, but no more than that. So I'm going to take Green Bay plus seven and a half. Hey, I've of course already bet that with you and I'm going to, going to continue. If it pops again, I'll bet it again. Uh, I like that bet a lot this week with my first pick of the wild card edition of the best bet gauntlet. I'm rocking with Miami plus four and a half and climbing at Kansas city. First note, wait to take this. Cause I think it's just going to keep going higher. It's not going to get lower. I don't think so. Maybe you get a five, maybe you get a five and a half, a six pops and, and the angels appear from the heavens and God comes down and hands me all the money that I'm about to make on this bet. That's what this feels like to me. I know that on the surface, this is one of those like future montage picks where it's like, look at this bozo in the all the people that doubted. You know those montages of like through the years, everybody that said, well, this is where Brady falls off the cliff. No, this is where Brady falls <laughs> yeah, off the yeah. cliff. This is me in the montage of betting against Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. I get it. I don't care. I really don't. I'm going to purposely step in it here because I know it's been two weeks since we've seen this offense try to run at full strength with all the guys out there. I'm old enough to remember when that was bad consistently. Like it, it was clearly broken and not working. Uh, the weather for this game, don't know if you've heard, it's only been on the internet everywhere today. Negative uh, 30 wind chills forecast for this game. It's going to be a little chilly for the Miami team. That's, I think, scaring the number higher and higher up onto Kansas City's side. I kind of think that's more of an advantage for Miami than anything, frankly, because that's going to lend itself to more running, high winds, cold run the ball. Miami is a better running team flat out than, than, than uh, Kansas city is. Uh, I think you, you put Jalen Ramsey on Rasheed rice, take him out of the picture, racket Travis Kelsey, which they did last week, or excuse me, when they played them earlier this season, their last matchup, uh, they held Kelsey in that game to his season low total in yards, 14 total yards for Travis Kelsey in that game. Then they're going to try to do it again. What is going to be brutal, but Miami can run better than Kansas city. And you've got Devon, uh, a Chan in this matchup. You did not in the first one. You got Mostert. You got A Chan. I think that if Mike McDaniel is uh, patient and runs the ball, that they they may win this game outright. But I think that it's a field goal game. Um, so give me Miami getting four and a half points. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. My next pick here. I'm going over to the total side of things. I'm going to take the over in the Cleveland and Houston game. Personally, I think this is going to be a shootout in this one, mostly because. This Cleveland team is not the Cleveland team they used to be. This is a Joe Flacco-led team that he is just letting that ball rip out there. And I think this is a pretty easy over um, for a couple of reasons. One, Cleveland this season uh, in their away games have gone 8-0 and on the over. Um, is score- that real? Yes, that is real. They've gone eight and zero on the over in their away games <laughs> okay. this this uh, this season, and even, even with Deshaun Watson and even, PJ Walker yes, games and yes, all of that. They've they've gone the over has gone over in eight of their games okay. this season played away, right. and I think that continues this week mostly because even though this Cleveland defense is really good, uh, they these these two teams just played a couple of weeks ago and uh, allowed Case Keenum and the very injured Texans to put up 22 points. And mm. I think with CJ Stroud at the helm, this is going to be one of those games um, indoors, no indoors yep. that starts uh, that starts this wild card weekend off with a bang. And I think it's going to be a shootout. So I'm going to take the over with my second pick of the wild card edition of the Beth Beck Gauntlet. I'm taking Detroit minus three at home against the Rams. I, 
I was waffling on this side all week. And the more I dug into it, the more I came around to the Lions side. To be 100% clear, I really hope the Lions, because man, how brutal is it going to be for this, this franchise, for this city? to lose to the guy they shipped off yep. who immediately won a Super Bowl the second they shipped him off. And now he comes back and ruins their first home playoff game in like, what, 50 years or something? 30, I think. Okay, it's close could, enough. You could name a number that was two digits and I think yep. anybody would believe you. Um, it's going to be tough if they lose. I think that they're winning this game. I think they're winning by a field goal or more. I don't love it at three and a half. You got to get it at the three or I, this, I think this is not a play. But at the three, I think the worst you're going to do is a push here. And what I looked into that made me more and more confident in this pick is that the keys to beating the Rams this year, just analytically, pressuring Stafford and defending the run. There, there's really, if you don't get to Stafford, no matter how well your secondary covers Cooper Cup and covers uh, uh, Puka Nakua, they're going to get theirs no matter what. You've got to get after Stafford and you've got to defend the run um, against Kyron Williams and, and a decent run offensive line. Those two things are things that Detroit's defense can do. They can't really cover. Like, they're not really a good coverage team. But they're, I didn't know this until I looked it up. They're number one in quarterback pressures this season. Mm -hmm. It's not translated to a ton of sacks, but who cares? You're going to move Stafford off his spot. I think he's something like 44% um, when he's pressured this year, a completion percentage for Stafford. So you're going to get after him. And Detroit's off or defensive line and, and uh, interior linebackers, they can defend against the run pretty well. And so for that reason, I think that uh, the, the Rams offense is going to look worse in this game than they've looked recently. I think the crowd's going to be a legit factory. I mean, they're going to be bonk. I think genuinely this might be one of the first games in recent NFL history where the crowd really is like college levels of impactful on the game. Mm -hmm. um, and then the Rams special teams, by the way, it's legitimately horrendous. You yes. probably heard some folks talk about it this year. You know when special teams matters a lot and can get you a win or a loss like single-handedly? Typically, it's the playoffs. Yep. Like that's when that comes back to bite you. Um, by the way, the Rams they can't get pressure. You can double, triple Aaron Donald, and he's really the only threat on that overhyped, bad, young defense. Um, Goff with time in the pocket indoors. That is like I'd say the ideal golf conditions, but those are just the conditions you have to have for golf to work. And they're going to have them. So I think that the the Lions are going to win this game by three or more. Give me the Lions minus three. Yeah, with my next pick here, I'm going to go with um, Jake Ferguson over on his receiving yards my the first prop okay. from me uh the tight end for the dallas cowboys over here, 43 and a half over here 43 and a half and here's really simply why in the last six games he's gone over that number five out of the six times and while i i would bet that on that one alone it really is about the matchup green bay currently ranks dead last in pff coverage grade versus seam routes this season while Dak prescott um has been able to really, really thrive on those seam routes. And sure. where have they been going? To Jake Ferguson. Yep. And I think this is, once again, a play where he's going to really rely on him. Also, Jair Alexander bangs himself up again in practice today. Their secondary is going to be not at 100%. So I think this is really a opportunity for Jake Ferguson to be a true, legit factor in this game. So I'm going to take his over. Okay, I dig that one. You ready for a disgusting one? How about this? Sure. I'm going to take Matt Stafford over a half rushing yard. And here's why. You just heard me talk about how Lions, number one in pressure rate this year, they're going to get him off his spot. Mm -hmm. That that pass protection for the Rams is not stellar. So all I need is one. I need I need the interior to open up, the edges to get home, get get, get him forced up the middle, three, four yards, bang, it's over. I'm, I, I've got I've got the, you know, I've got it. It's over. Um, it's over the half yard. So 
that's really all it is to it. I think that they're going to get him off his spot and they're going to get one or two rushes from Matt Stafford for a yard or two each. And you're going to get over that one. So it, it's a weird, gross bet, but it's a really simple handicap. I need him to run one time. I think he's going to run one time. Yeah, with my next pick here, I'm going with Elijah Moore back to this uh, Houston Texans game. Uh, pick, taking the other side, though, Cleveland's receiver, Elijah Moore, over 29 and a half receiving yards. And this one is basically uh, predicated on the fact that I think they're going to try to get Amari Cooper the ball a lot. And I think that yeah. this Houston Texans secondary is going to kind of overreact to Amari Cooper out there on the field, which is going to leave Elijah Moore open. And sneakily, Elijah Moore has been Joe Flacco's maybe favorite target when Amari Cooper is is not um, able to go. And I think this is really a, a situation here where Elijah Moore can really shine in this opportunity at the yard. I, I would have played it if it was anywhere um, up to 35 and a half yards. So getting it at 29 and a half right below that 30 yard mark. I really like it in this one, especially with Joe Flacco at the helm. So I'm going to take the over on his yards. I dig that. Um, I think I think I'm going to ride with you on that one. Uh, here's my total for my fourth pick of the wild card weekend best bet gauntlet. I'm taking the Philadelphia Tampa Bay under 43 and a half points. Uh, these are two teams that are coming off of performances where the Eagles against the vaunted Giants defense scored a big fat 10 points at home. Um, and, you know, that was in MetLife, not on the road, but still 10 total points. And then the Buccaneers against the vaunted Panthers defense scored nine points, no touchdowns, three field goals. Um, I think that these two teams are really beat up right now. I think in particular, the Eagles, you may have Jalen Hurts not able to throw with that finger. You may have no AJ Brown. You may have no Devonta Smith. It, it's rough out there, man. It really is. And I think that the scoring is going to come at a premium in this game. Um, I think 43 and a half is too much. Like I could see this game ending up like 21, 14 at most 21, 17. And then you've hit the under and you're rocking and rolling. So give me a Philly Tampa under 43 and a half. Yeah, and with my final pick here, I'm going to go with another side on this one, and this is going to be one of the grosser ones, but I'm taking Houston and those points, either two or two and a half. You can get at two and a half, great. If not at two, that's fine. I'm going to take the home dog in this one. Um, as much as I love the story of of Joe Flacco and the potential for him to get uh, to to face his former team against yeah. the Ravens in the next round, I really like what this Houston team is doing, man. They're getting healthier by the day. Uh, this offensive line has really been able um, to hold up at times. And even though they're going up against a really nice pass rush, I think there's just something special about CJ Stroud right now. Do you think they win this game outright? I, it's tough. I, I may sprinkle a little bit of money on, on okay. the, on All the right. money line as curious. well, but I'm going to take the points here because I think this is uh, a shootout, but I think it's one of the closer games of the week. So I'm going to take Houston with those points. All right. With my final pick of the best bet gauntlet wildcard edition, both of my props have been related. They are related to uh, sides that I had, right? Stafford over a half rushing yard. Cause I think that the Detroit lions are going to push him off his spot. I think that Travis Kelsey is going to go under 56 and a half receiving yards in this game. Cause I think Miami who I said previously forced Travis Kelsey to have his worst game statistically of the year when they faced earlier, this, earlier this season, 14 total yards. I think that he's going to go under that number. Uh, in this game, again, you look at Travis Kelsey's past couple of games that have not been great, if we're being honest, as I'm pulling them up here. Um, the last time he went over this number was against Buffalo at the beginning of December. Uh, he's, he's on a three-game streak of being under this number comfortably. I think that in this game against the team that did the best this year at 
minimizing his role in the offense production. I think that that's going to be another 20, maybe 30 yard game in total. I'm giving him a little playoff bump, a little Patrick Mahomes playoff bump for sure, but nearly 60 yards in this game in that weather. I don't think it happens. So give me Travis Kelsey under 56 and a half receiving yards. And with that, we have completed our best bet gauntlet slate for the wild card edition to recap JT on sides. He's got green Bay plus seven and a half at Dallas and Houston plus two and a half at home against Cleveland. His total is Cleveland at Houston over 44 and a half. And the couple of props are Cowboys, Jake Ferguson, tight end over 43 and a half receiving yards and Browns wide receiver, Elijah Moore over 29 and a half receiving yards. My two sides are Miami plus four and a half at Kansas city and Detroit minus three at home against the Rams. My total is Philadelphia and Tampa Bay over, excuse me, Philadelphia, Tampa Bay under 43 and a half total points. And my two props are Matt Stafford over a half rushing yard. Just one, baby. Just run one time, Matt. Come on. You can do it. And Travis Kelsey under 56 and a half receiving yards. That's going to be the best bet gauntlet for this week. And that's going to be our show for this Thursday. Thanks for everybody that tuned in live with us. Appreciate y'all a little bit of a longer show today. A lot to talk about these days on these Titan streets. No shortage of things to say. No shortage of, of content topics to dive into. Um, who knows? We're gonna, I, I, for the time being, I'm, I'm done promising what we're going to talk about next. I don't know. Who knows what could happen? We're going to talk about whatever happens between now and the next show. How about that? Whatever happens in the Titans, what we're going to talk about. Um, until then, for producer JTM, your host, Easton Freeze, make sure you're following us on social media at Hot Read Pod on Instagram, on TikTok, on Twitter. Get all the show posts and notifications and clips and highlights. Uh, all that good stuff is on our socials at Hot Read Pod. And subscribe at Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. It's very helpful to us. We appreciate you guys tuning in with us live or otherwise. Until we've not decided our winner, maybe Sunday, maybe at the beginning of next week, we'll talk to you then. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. Uh-huh.